Hi, I'm NASM Master Instructor Rick Ritchie. Join me for the NASM CPT Podcast, where we take you through a unique journey on everything you need to know as a personal trainer. Science, technique, physiology, weight loss, muscle growth, nutrition, business. We dig into it all. You can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search NASM CPT Podcast and subscribe. Hello and welcome to another episode of Random Fit. I'm here with you, Miss uh, with Miss Wendy Betts. Miss Wendy, how are you today? I am so good. How are you, Ken? I'm good. I'm good. Good as always. And like I always say, um, time with Wendy is time well spent. So I know that uh, oh, thanks. always uh, always learn something new, uh, despite the research uh, <laughs> that we wind up talking about, you know, hours on end before we get on these things. But uh, I always love hearing your perspective on how the different topics that we touch on every week, um, you know, you know, somehow you always have some way of of bringing some some great practical experience. Not somehow, but you always do anyway. So <laughs> well, I, <think. laughs> I don't want that to come out wrong. Uh, <laughs> so this week, I am looking forward to uh, hearing what you have to say about blood flow restriction. Let me say that again: blood flow restriction, or uh, BFR as it's called. And um, I know that you and I have actually done a, quite a bit of research on this, including going through an online program, which uh, helped educate uh, both of us on what blood flow restriction is. And and I think uh, with our listeners or viewers, uh, when it comes to this topic, um, one of the reasons why we picked this is because it's it's been something that's been in the field of performance and rehab um, and fitness um, quite a bit over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, just like going through this this course uh, that we went through and, and doing the research on blood flow restriction, I mean, there's there's actually quite a bit more to it from a scientific standpoint, but also lo- learning and figuring out when this all started. So a lot of great information on blood flow restriction and the benefits to to what it can do for somebody. So um, I'm I'm ready and excited to talk about this with you, Wendy. So let's talk about this first. You know. Um, with, with me, my, my first practical experience with it uh, actually has, was really, really favorable towards the gains that, that I made. And I know that you've had um, some professional clients, Wendy, uh, professional athletes that have gotten on it. But start us off and, and share with us what you know about what blood flow restriction is and how it works and you know how, how, why you've actually used it with your clients. Yes. Well, so when we're talking about blood flow restriction, we're, we're literally taking cuffs, if you will, and we're placing them in the upper arm. So when you're thinking about where it would be in the upper arm, it would literally be on the area that's your deltoid tuberosity, which is as far up basically that you can get a cuff without being in your armpit. And you, you actually put these bands on pretty tightly on both arms. Or you could also do your legs and the sizes of the cuffs, they do kind of matter because there are different widths. So obviously the ones for the arms, the widths are going to be smaller than the width that you would put around your leg. And if you were putting these on on your legs, what you're trying to do is, is 
is really just take these cuffs and put them around like your upper quad as high up as you can possibly get them. And there are a ton of different cuffs out there and there's multiple companies, which we'll talk about that offer some that are Bluetooth and some that you pump up and you do on your own. But basically BFR takes an easy workout and turns it into max effort workout, at least from your muscles perspective. And so when you have blood flow restriction, so when you put these cuffs on, you're going to add a little bit of tension to that. It causes changes in the cellular environment that's going to mimic what happens during high intensity exercise. And so when you do that, you're going to have different adaptation changes throughout your muscles. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're thinking the muscles really don't really know what's happening other than, you know, this blood flow is in the muscles and it's going to create a metabolic stress. And so when you contract the muscles, but you've got blood flow that's restricted within those muscles, it's going to produce lower oxygen environment to that particular muscle that you're, you're working on and targeting. And so you're going to end up getting like metabolites such as lactic acid and everything that's going to build up in those muscles. And so what that does is then it, it signals your, your, your brain basically like, Hey, something, something's happening here. <laughs> and so, you know, it's saying like, Hey, these muscles are going to need help. And so the brain's going to then initiate the autonomic nervous system and there's a response, like a hormonal response that happens, and it's going to notably long-term create gr a growth hormone, um, and that's going to pr promote more muscle protein synthesis. So basically, it's going to increase size as well as you're going to end up, like I said, getting this growth hormone production within your muscles. So short and skinny of it basically is that you've got blood flow restriction in your limbs, and when that happens, you're going to be able to get a very high intensity workout by lifting a lighter load. And so there's a lot of really positive ways of looking at this. However, there are some stuff that we're going to talk about that you really want to think about before you have a client or yourself utilize these cuffs. And, um, and for my personal experience, when I did it, it was a big wake up call because it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be you know, when I had these yeah. cuffs and I turned, you know, we're going to talk about what it means when you include, you know, so basically when you start to blow up these cuffs, what it does and what it feels like, because I found it to be a lot more painful than I thought it was going to be when I was trying to execute certain exercises, whether it was a single joint or multi-joint exercise, it was definitely harder. So I can understand, um, you know, kind of the, the benefits, but also, you know, the importance of really understanding who is a good candidate for, you know, for utilizing the cuffs? Right. And it, it is it is one of those things. And um, thank you for sharing that, that, um, you know, I, you know, personally, I, I put it on and I used it, you know, mid last year um, just to just to, you know, augment my workouts. And when you follow the rep ranges, which is basically going to be in the higher rep range, because as you as you cinch up and you occlude blood flow, um, and again, we're not totally we're not talking about your arm turning purple or your hands <laughs> going numb or anything like that. That would be too much. That that's not that's not. That helpful. is definitely a side effect. So, that yes, is definitely a side effect. So if you, if you if you only can move your hands like this, all right, then that's 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 a little too much. You gotta you gotta lay off uh, some of the pressure. But when you when you feel when you when you cinch that thing up and you get you know let's say last night actually, 
uh, I was doing push-ups. And so trying to keep with the rep ranges, and again, we'll give you some practical examples of, of what you can do with it. But I was doing push-ups. Uh, you know, I did 30 push-ups, took a minute rest. Then I did 15, 15, and 15 repetitions with a minute rest in between. And yeah, that, 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 that swelling that you feel, that, that swollness, that pump, uh, that was definitely that was definitely there to where I mean it, it it was really hard getting the last you know getting the last three four repetitions especially in the last two sets and that was the fatigue factor that you talk about setting in Wendy to where now it's yeah, it it does get uncomfortable and you're like I can't believe I'm having trouble doing push-ups right it's it's not like I put you know I have my 70 pound dumbbells or I'm under a heavy bar. I'm just doing body weight push-ups, and because of that blood occlusion, you are, you know, everything that you said, your 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 body's sensing. Okay, there's we're not getting the oxygen we need. We need a little help. Signals going all over the place, you know, to your brain. Brain saying, okay, we got to do something about this uh, because you are definitely working hard right now. You can't you can't even finish a set of 15 push-ups, so. <laughs> We need to get you bigger and we need to get you stronger. And that's what it's telling the muscles that, that are affected by that occlusion. So, you know, so if it's high up on my arm, just like you said, Wendy, uh, not only is it going to affect, you know, my buys and my tries or everything else below it, but, you know, um, especially when I was on it for that 30 day period earlier last year, I was noticing some, some pretty big differences for the amount, when I say for the amount of work that I put, put forth but for and it was basically sub maximal high repetition so i was in more of a stabilization or a strength endurance phase of training and i was still seeing hypertrophic or muscular development uh you know within that phase of training so it was, it was actually it was one of those things you start to say to yourself like i can put on muscle i can put on some size i can look pretty decent for this amount of work versus doing this amount of work that we usually think about when we're when we're either training ourselves or our clients. So I don't have to beat up my clients to get that, that size and strength gain. If I, you know, if I can use a tool that's going to help augment that. Now, one other thing, you know, when I talked about this to, um, to a couple of friends of mine, when it's like, so what are you doing? Uh, the, the, it's one of those things that does sound too good to be true. But again, when, when you're safe about it and when it's a part of a program, right? You you will see gains again. You just have to you just have to be smart about it. It's not that you know you're, I'm going to keep putting on putting. I'm going to be this you know 275 pound guy if all I do is just do BFR. But it's got to be a part of a program. And there's different contexts to which you can use use this tool. Again, it's 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 just to help augment your training cycle. Um, if we need a little bit of help, or if we need to unload, and you know because. We can't go heavy. We can't go fast and powerful all the time. But if you need a little bit of help, this is something that can get you that, you know, that that two, five percent better with a submax workout. Well, you bring up some great points, and I think it's important to to you know, for anyone that's listening and they really want to learn a lot more about blood flow restriction, I think it's important to take, there's so many different courses out there. There are a ton of podcasts, obviously, mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why we're doing it as well, because within the last three years, there's been a lot of really positive research showing how great these, you know, this type of training can be when done correctly. And so just like when we're talking about the NASM OPT model, you know, there's a stair step and there's a way to think about training when doing this, as you mentioned. And, 
you know, when you're thinking about, like, if you think about four pillars, and that's actually a course that I took, um, and, you know, through Education BFR, they talk about these four pillars. And so when you're talking about, like, pillar one, you want to think about it in a rehab state. And that is where a lot of the research has shown such a positive factor with utilizing the blood flow restriction cuffs is because if somebody's coming out of surgery or somebody's not really able to put full body weight on a particular area and they put on the BFR cuffs, then you're really trying to get a muscle that has atrophied due to the surgery or due to not being able to use it based on some kind of injury to try to get to, to fire again within its muscles. So basically, you know, cell swelling and deconditioned people, this is a really good way. It's more of an ischemic type conditioning. And so that's pillar one. So when you're thinking about someone that really hasn't been moving much or someone that can't move, when you utilize this to try to get some kind of activation into that area, that is a huge, huge benefit because they are starting to get strength and size back into something that they would not have been able to do unless they had, you know, unless they were utilizing the, the cuffs. Then it's like when somebody progresses to that, you've got to think about, you know, more of a cardio factor. And so that's kind of like a pillar too. And so basically, again, if you were doing legs and you, you had the, the bands on your legs, you're going to try to work yourself up to approximately 20 minutes of doing pretty much just walking or light cycling um, you know, where you're not having to really just go into a full-blown sprint and you're going to get a ton of gains on a cardiovascular standpoint because of the restriction in the muscles itself and what the body has to do to adapt to that. And then, of course, we've got, you know, pillar three, which talks more about resist, you know, mal-resistance training. And they really do emphasize that if you are going to start utilizing the cuffs to start with very simple, simple one um, single joint movement, such as like just a bicep curl or something just very simple before you start doing multi-joint exercises. And, and as you mentioned, you know, you are doing low repetitions. So one of the, the, the big rep schemes, as you had mentioned, was you're doing 30 repetitions in a row at like a one, two or so tempo. So you're not going fast. You're not going super slow. You're just trying to get through 30 repetitions. You would take anywhere from like a 30 to a 60 second rest, and then you would do another set for 15 reps, take that amount of rest, and then 15 rest, and then 15. So basically you're doing four cycles with different rep ranges to your totaling approximately 75 reps. Now that's a lot. I mean, that really is a lot. And, you know, a lot of times because of the pressure, I know myself, I was like, man, I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm dying here. You know, like this is super right. hard. I don't know if I can do that. And if you can't, that's, that's what they're saying, you know, your ultimate goal is. So shorten your rep ranges or, or only do two sets, 130, 115, and take longer breaks if needed, or deflate the cuffs, let the blood flow get back into a normal pattern and then re reinflate and then, you know, and then continue on with your workout. That's, that's totally fine. And that's why it's important to listen to your body or listen to your client, because if they can't handle it and your form starts to break down, then it's not a win-win at all. And if anything, you're teaching then improper movement patterns that you want to avoid long-term. And then of course they talk about pillar four, which is more for the higher the higher, you know, athlete or somebody that is a higher intensity type type individual. And again, when you're occluded or you're using high intensity with BFR, I mean, you are, you're at a really high level and it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, 
And so, you know, usually it's a, it's an athlete that has prepared their body in a power phase that can handle that type of occlusion with some of the exercises done at that level. Right. And I know with, uh, with you, Wendy, especially because you deal with high performing athletes, professional athletes, um, it, it is, it is one of those things where, you know, they, they, between, you know, especially when they're in season, right. They, they have practice, they have travel. So, you know, they're going to be a little fatigued from, from the quality, whatever quality of sleep you're going to get on the road. And so if they're in town and they're seeing you, uh, you know, and you have your full, you know, your full on facility, you can push them hard. But a lot of times it's like, you know, you, you, you're underrested, you're undernourished and, you know, it, it's going to show in their movement. So that might not be the time to go full on uh, power phase with <laughs> five, you know, five rep max and then 10 powerful, you know, power moves. Right. Um, so from, from that standpoint, um, it, it, it makes, it makes a difference because now you can take somebody who you need to back off, right? You can, you need to back off just for their own safety and your own peace of mind. Cause you're not going to put somebody in harm's way. It's like, well, on the schedule, it says we have a strength or a max strength or a power day today, but you know, they come in, they got bags under their eyes. They just got, they just got beat, you know, the last two games of their road series and now they're there for you. So I, I can only imagine how useful this is for your, for your professional athletes when, you know, when they, when they're in season or they, they have been pushing it and it's time to get off the gas pedal a little bit. Well, and we, we saw a ton of, of benefit uh, just recently because to your point, you know, we had, I had them order them and they did the arms and the legs. Now, one thing I do want to point out, it's very important that you're not using the arms and legs at the same time, that you're only going to do like upper body, I would say upper body one session and then possibly lower body the next session, but you definitely don't want to include both at the same time. Yeah. That is a do not do. Gonna, um, so you have to wake important. up somebody yeah. <laughs> from their yeah, workout. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to be held reliable for that. So I definitely want to make sure that I pinpoint that. But one thing that I think was really good is I had one client and um, one athlete in particular that he would go hardcore every single day if you let him. And really he he's on the spectrum of, okay, I've got to tell him to stop or he would just keep going because he feels like he's got to do that to stay um, at the top of his game. And so, you know, again, that, that comes from me being a trainer and being honest with him. And so when we received his, his cuffs and we, we did for the first time, put him on there, I'm like, okay, this is your one rep max. And, and I know that because we have taken him through the OPT model. We undulate his program doing stabilization some days, strength, some days, power, some days. And so on a power day, I'm like, okay, we're going to put these bands on. And then at that point, we're going to do 20% of what your one rep max is. And we're going to try to do this repetition, you know, this 30 to 15, 15, 15, and see how you do. And he struggled, he struggled. And he is a high performance athlete. And it was because it was something completely different than what he had ever done before. However, he saw the importance of decreasing that amount of weight. And so I think it's important that you work with your athletes or your, your particular clients so they can see, because if they're used to living, you know, lifting 150 pound, you know, chest press dumbbells and you're giving them a significantly lower weight, they're like, what's happening here? And, and they, they just don't understand until they feel it and then they understand. Right. And so it was important that I worked with him. So he got to understand the purpose of it, why we were doing it. 
And the reason I wanted to do that was because when he had to go off to season, again, they have to go, they have to go through um, time where they're, they're not able to be around anyone. Obviously they were going through and, and um, having just to stay in their hotel room for a certain amount of days. And we were able to put those bands on and he was able to work out doing a full-blown workout just with his body weight or bands and some of the stuff that he had traveled with and, and able to keep his gains. So when he, when other people had to, you know, basically do the same thing, they could, they had a quarantine for 10 to 14 days. They were super tired when they got back onto the court because they, they weren't able to do some of the stuff he was able to do on the strength side because they didn't have the bands. And so it was actually a huge win for him because he knew how to do it. He understood it. He did the right exercises. We still had a really good program. It was fantastic for his joints because I'm not lifting a huge amount of load or he's not lifting a huge amount of load on his joints right. constantly. So it was giving his joints a break while still being able to execute and do what we needed to do for his power output, muscular development and, and so on. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's awesome work, Wendy. Um, because oh, yeah, good job. Good <laughs> job. <laughs> as long as, that's the thing, right? As long as they can get back on, as long as they can get back on the court, you know, uh, without missing a beat, you know, because we are in a situation where you don't have access to, um, you know, to a lot of the things that we're used to having, you know, and especially with, uh, again, this, the state of the situation here, especially where I am in California, where, um, you know, there's still a stay at home order as of this recording. And so a lot of people don't have access to a squat rack or a bench press or the heavier dumbbells you're relegated to. You know, as you talked about, you know, the, the resistance bands or whatever light to moderate weight uh, dumbbells or kettlebells that they might have at home. And so I mean, one of the biggest things I, you know, that, that when I talk to my buddies, it's like, oh, dude, I lost so much weight or I got under the bar the first time, you know, in a long time. And I, you know, I lost 50 pounds on my squat. And it's like, well, you know, it's that's 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 how things are right now. But if you can augment that and if, if I only lose 25 pounds off my squat versus 50 pounds off your squat. I mean, that's, that's still, you know, minimizing your losses. And that's, that's one of the things that, you know, you, you, you find out is like this one that, you know, with these tools here, you know, with, with my air bands, you know, it, it definitely did its job as far as Excel. I mean, it, I, I got better results than I, than I had thought for the amount of work that I was putting forth. But conversely, if you can minimize the loss from, you know, missing out on the, the higher loads or the higher speed work that you might be used to doing, then, you know, that's, that's a plus as well. So if you minimize your losses and, and you maintain your gains, you know, that's, that's basically what any athlete is, is looking for. Right. Or, you know, just even somebody, you know, just as a regular person, right. If I can stay in better shape with, with, uh, you know, the least amount of, that's what I'm about. Right. Cause I'm just like anybody else. If, if I don't have to put out that much work um, and, and have, almost the same amount of results i'll i'll take it 24 7 365 yes yes and i think it's important to note though too when we keep talking that you're going to get these muscular gains i mean if yeah. you want to build size i mean obviously we need to always think about nutrition is going to play a huge huge factor in yeah. that as well as you still need to lift heavy and so we're not yeah. saying that if you just use the air bands that you're just going to become you know the next bodybuilder and you're going to be yeah. this fine-tuned machine what we're saying is 
as you had mentioned, and I just want to stress that again, is yeah. you can bring this into your program to help your joints to give you a, a break. But when you are occluded, meaning when you do have your bands blown up, it is important to make sure that you're within a percentage. And, and we can talk a little bit more, you know, moving forward on what that is and how you find out what, what's the right percentage for you. But I think it's also important to, to remember that you have to do both. And so your joints need a yes. break, but when you are under the bands and you're lifting even 20%, I think 20% to me the first time it was still really heavy. It, you are doing max yeah. effort at a lower intensity. And, and if that makes sense, so lower intensity, higher rep range, but it, your muscles itself feel like they're getting maximally worked. And so it is extremely challenging. And I remember the first time I did it, I did it on my legs and my, I had it, my left one tight and I had my right one, which I thought was tight. However, when I actually blew up the bands, I felt like my left leg was going to explode in comparison to my right, because apparently I didn't have it yeah. quite as tight as the other. So you're going to be able to know what's right. And when you are placing the cuffs again, you know, you want to think you've got them in the right position. And, um, when you do have it, you want to think that you would be able to put two fingers underneath the bands. If you can put anything more than that, you need to make them tighter. If you cannot get two fingers underneath the band, then it's too tight. And there are some side effects that can happen when you have your bands on and you actually have them included. And, and when I say side effects, we're looking for something like you can have minor bruising. And so, you know, if that, what that could tell you is that you may need a wider cuff or you could use like a sleeve and then place it. But it's important not to have like bulky, you don't have bulky shirts on or anything like that. It needs to be truly up against the skin. Or if you're, you know, a female wearing yoga pants, you can have those on, but you don't want to have, you know, baggy shorts on and then put the cuffs there because you want it to be right up against the, the skin and as high up as you can in order to really get the maximum, you know, benefits. But, you know, you also have to think that there can be some capillary breaks, you know, um, and that can mean that you're under occlusion for too long or there's too much pressure into that area. And at that point, then you just need to reduce the exposure time or, you know, think think through about, you know, your bandwidth. And of course, you know, the big one is if numbness, if you've got numbness going on on your limbs, then you've got way yeah. too much pressure. So you need to <laughs> deflate and then reevaluate your percentages. And so, Ken, I don't know if you want to talk about some of the percentages and what we mean by that. And what when, we say, when we're saying occlude, like, what do you mean by that? Well, when you occlude, it just means how much of the blood that you're occluding. So, and, and here's the thing, you know, reading the, the different bits of information and the research that's out there, um, you know, whereas, you know, you look at one article and, and, and what it's touting and, and what it's saying that it does, you know, as, as far as occluding arterial uh, blood flow and another one's talking about you know modifying blood flow to where it's more venous blood flow but you know and wherever you're coming from and whatever you're reading just know that you're really restricting blood coming into the limb and blood coming out from them so when we say arterial you're, you're as you as you apply the pressure you're affecting the blood that's going down into let's say into the arm and, and I'm pointing at my my left arm here so one and I just actually <laughs> that's funny I had so if this band were, were strapped around my arm, okay, wrapped around my, on my, my, Bluetooth, uh, my Bluetooth on my phone, as it's, well, it's connected via Bluetooth to my phone, it's going to apply the desired amount of pressure onto my arm. And you'll see here that, you know, well, we, we are talking about a pretty good, pretty good girth 
uh, as far as the width of the band. So, Wendy, this is what you're talking about. You don't want it to be too thin where you're more likely kind of just cinching things down versus kind of spreading that pressure over, you know, you know, some amount of surface area to where you're going to, you know, decrease the likelihood that you're going to get that, that uh, bruising that you mentioned. But either way, just know that blood is not free flowing in or out. And that's, what's going to create the stimulus for that, the stress that the, the brain, the signal that the brain is receiving that, Hey, these muscles need to grow. So um, just to kind of read off of, of what we're talking about here, um, your body position is going to um, be important to know, or it's going to be important to know what you're going to do for the workout because that's going to affect body position and body position is going to be, um, need to be considered when you figure out how much pressure you're going to put onto an area. So if you're doing a plank or if you're doing sit-ups or bridges, it's something to where you're on the floor. Um, and then if you plan on having your client standing up, just know that that, that, that pressure that you're applying to yourself on the floor is going to have a different response or different stress on your, on your blood flow than if you're standing up. So you want to take the most, uh, I guess the least common denominator when it comes to safety. So when you're supine, um, you know, 60 to 80% occlusion seated 50 to 70%. And then the last one standing is 45 to 60%. So here you are, if you're, if you're on the floor, you're going to occlude more blood flow, but if you're standing up that blood flow actually, or that increases, did I get that right? Wendy, or am I backwards on the, <laughs> on those numbers? Whenever you throw numbers at me, I, it takes me a couple, <laughs> a little bit to digest. And, and here's the thing, because I've, and, and where I stand on it, or just to share my experience, is that I've only used the arms, um, versus if I, if I had it around my legs, that's going to be a bigger consideration just because the mass that your legs have, it's a lot more than what you have on the arms. So just know that you're going to affect greater blood flow. Um, it's going to have more of an effect if you're lying down versus standing up on how much um, you decide is necessary for you to include to get the effects of blood flow restriction. So correct me, Wendy, did I, did I get that backwards? I think no, I, you know I mean, so basically uh, if you're going to do a floor bridge, you, you know, and this is what I try to tell people is, you know, whatever is the easiest position, get yourself into. And, you know, Ken and I both, we have our, our air bands basically through a company mm -hmm. that is ran through Bluetooth. And so what that means is basically we have these bands, you press a button, it turns it on, we open up an app, it reads whatever our pulse is. And then at that point, it's going to say, this is, you know, your, your, your number. And then at that point, we can adjust it based on what we're doing for the day. So it kind of takes the guesswork out of what our percentages are. But before you can even do anything like that, there's a questionnaire that you want that you have to fill out. And I think that to me is a selling point because, and we'll talk about what these are, but there are certain specific contraindications that are a red light. You cannot use this if you have these right. certain things. And then there's some yellow lights, which, you know, like these are some things that you could have, but it seems like based on how you're answering this questionnaire, you would be okay to do it with caution. And, um, and like I said, we'll go through some specifics, but I think it's very important to realize that, you know, the first time you're going to use this, just choose one exercise and do it and see how your body reacts to it, then decrease it and then finish the rest of your workout. And then at that point, you know, or every time you go back to that exercise or something like that, you can occlude them again and meaning blow them back up. And because ours is Bluetooth, we just press a button and it's like inflate, deflate, inflate, deflate. It's as yeah. simple as that. 
but whatever you do, you really don't want to be occluded for longer than 30 minutes. So you want to think that's why it's important. You don't want to leave yourself occluded for an hour workout because that is like, I, I, you really don't want to do that. It's, it's definitely frowned upon. So, you know, if you're going to do upper and lower body, but you just have the, the legs, like the bands on your legs, then anytime you want to do your leg exercise, if you're doing a vertical load program, so you've got some exercises for upper body, you're doing some core work, and then you're going lower body, right when you hit the lower body, you want to be in a seated position, knees bent, make sure that, you know, the, the bands are pulled up right, hit start, it quickly just immediately will occlude that area, and then you get up and do your leg exercise. And then as you go back to the arms, you're going to deflate them. So therefore, you're not going to have more time under, quote, occlusion than you really should have. And it keeps you within that safety range. Um, I think that's that's also a very key point. But, you know, as we talk about contraindications, do you want to go through some some like no-nos and then some? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and this was this was I mean th this was very eye opening because you know mm -hmm. as you open the box you're all excited and all you want to do that you know and I'm a typical <laughs> typical dude I'll just awesome you know it's got some juice in it I'm gonna use it I'm gonna take it for a test run and do it but then as you start to read and you study where you're like oh my goodness thank God you know thank God I'm a relatively healthy person because if I had any one of these these red lights pop up like you like you said Wendy it's like oh man I could have really done myself. Um, some harm. So, you know, one, you know, so the things that are absolute, you know, this is, you're not, you know, you, this is not the best thing for you today. So when we talk about uh, contraindications, absolutely, you know, this isn't, you know, let's, we, let's do something else today, or let's use another toy, another tool um, to help us get to our goals. But if, you know, one is a DVT or, you know, deep vein thrombosis, um, uh, you know, watching out for that um, active cancer. Now, let me just also before we go forward, if there's any doubt on whether or not your client is healthy or is qualified to use this this tool, um, then, you know, you want to refer to their physician or do more research and, you know, clear your mind first on whether or not this is this is something safe for your clients to do. So, um, when, when it comes to, you know, cancer, deep vein thrombosis, as circulatory issues, having a dialysis port. And I'm like, there's, there's quite a few, but, you know, just to give you an idea of, of what to watch out for, uh, hemophilia, um, they have an infection, they're fighting an infection, not good. You know, we want to, you want to make sure that, uh, that area is, you know, able to fight, you know, uh, whatever is happening in their pregnancy, you know, when, when someone's pregnant, now is not the time to start new things, right? Uh, you know, get, well, you know wait a few months. That. Yeah, wait a few months. Wait till something else. You know, wait till your condition. Let the baby changes. get out before you start yeah, including something yeah, and taking yeah. blood flow away from certain muscles. Not, yeah, not ideal. Exactly. Uh, and then uh, cerebral infarction. Okay, that's the you know ischemic heart disease. So these are pretty extreme situations when you just read them read them off. But you you do want to make sure that okay. I mean, that's, those are contraindications for most other things, unless, you know, unless you talk to the physician. Um, other areas, you know, contraindications you want to watch out for somewhere, where, you know, you, you have to pause a second and just kind of really do a little bit more research where they might be able to use it, but under cir certain circumstances or a modified use, like you said, Wendy, maybe you inflate it, do a couple, you know, do a set and then deflate it and let the blood flow in. So, you know, there are some opportunities for use. You just want to make sure that you're using it as it relates to that person. So uh, poor circulation, again, infection, again, 
depending on the degree of the infection. Um, <laughs> obesity. I'm sorry, I got uh, I got my, my sound studio is a little they're, off. They're coming after you. <laughs> they're, they're kind of, or somebody's and maybe my my contraindications. Uh, they're they're coming to help me. Um, uh, thank goodness for Alameda Fire. Um, <laughs> adolescence. So age is a consideration. I mean, you know, and when when you look it up, sixteen year olds or younger, you know, you want to, you know, it's not, you know, my my kids are, you know, nine and eight. I'm not going to use this on them. But again, when you when you talk about programming and program design, somebody at that age, you know, if unless until you get body control first, these are the things you want to look at. Uh, do they have flexibility, body control, coordination, postural endurance before you start to augment their workout with other tools? Um, hypertension. Again, if you have, you know, if you've been diagnosed as having high blood pressure, again, go to their physician, let them know. And, I, and I've done that, you know, to where I, I just, hey, here's, I'll send them a link. This is what I plan on doing. Ask your doctor if this is something that you could or should or we can consider as part of your of your conditioning plan because if someone has hypertension a lot of times i've been referred clients because their body weight their deconditioning and, and that's what's contributing to their high blood pressure so if we can augment their workouts and get them conditioned um, better shape uh, help them lose weight faster um, then this might actually help them with with that condition um, varicose veins, again, just something to consider. There's, I know there's more than a few of my clients that have raised varicose veins. So this, you know, may be okay for the upper body, maybe not okay for the lower body. So, um, some things to consider, you know, when looking at So when you're doing your, your client intake, your health history, medical history, you want to take note that even though they've been with you for a while, Take that information from your first session, and it's not a bad idea either to update your 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 health and medical um, history with some clients, especially if you if you're one of those longtime trainers who's had a client for five, ten years. Sometimes things change physically, and um, maybe they weren't the spring chicken they were when they first started training with you. But um, to just account for where they are today. And to make sure we don't put them in harm's way, especially when using anything new like this, especially because we are dealing with blood flow restriction. And as yeah. you mentioned, you know, I know starting with the, the poor circulation, that's kind of the yellow light all the way on. And and to your point about adolescents, the reasons that, that, that that's on the yellow light, like, you know, used with precaution was mainly because there's just not a lot of research out there and they haven't done research on, yeah. on the younger folks, if you will. And so they're not saying that long term. I mean, this has kind of really been a booming thing and there's been a ton of research out there just for the, within the last three years, but there's still so much research that needs to be done. And to your point, you know, taking that intake form and, and literally having them sit down before they utilize this particular, you know, modality or this tool is extremely important. And I, I, I obviously am going to tell you, you know, you really want to have some education before you use these because I yeah. know myself, I didn't know a lot of this stuff and I went ahead and used them because when I received them in the box, there wasn't a ton of information of don't do, yeah. do, you know, and, yeah. and because there are so many different companies out there that are now kind of getting into, you know, the blood flow restriction space, there may be some, you know, some information that comes with yours or may not. And once I went through the app, I saw that intake form on there and it will, like I said, it would stop me if I hit yes or no and mm -hmm. asking for, you know, some clear, you know, to be cleared or whatever on the doctor form. And that's extremely important. 
But, you know, within a lot of companies, too, if you go onto their website or you take some of their education, they will provide you with some of these forms as well. So if you're going to do this and you don't have a trainer and you want to try to get in um, to check this out because you're finding it to be very interesting and you want to see if it's the right choice for you, ask your doctor if they think it's a good choice. Look at that form and make sure you feel that you're very comfortable of understanding the purpose yeah. and um, and that you have a, a specific process because, you know, you don't want to... Uh, include something and then obviously have some some side effects because you just weren't sure if you were the right candidate. Right, right. And, you know, and, uh, you know, you hit a lot of points there. And the thing about it is, is, you know, with with the education as it's coming out, I mean, Wendy, since you and I first started talking about this, I think there's been two webinars and a new certification course that has come out just on blood flow restriction. And it, and, it, and it has come, you know, to, to the point within the performance side of things, because, again, if you're a high-end athlete, you know, gets, getting that 1% or 2% better is going to make a difference in how you play the game. But uh, one of, the, one of the, the, the webinars that I attended, um, most of the attendees were physical therapists or are mm -hmm. physical therapists, and they're just looking at, okay, how can I use this responsibly with my patients? So that's relating to that um, that um, pillar number one that you're referring to, Wendy. So that's where it's had its application um, a lot, you know, as it's come up through the last few decades. But a lot of people don't realize that blood flow restriction or blood flow modification, as it's also called in, in different formats, is, has been around for, you know, since the 70s. I mean, initially discovered by Yashiaki Sato, um, back in the mid 1960s for for you know how he felt after sitting down for a long time and realized that he had you know he had you know he had stopped his blood flow to his lower leg and it felt tight like he had a pump in there and then kind of going from that practical experience that that one experience now he started to apply the techniques and started looking at research and did some studies and coordinated with researchers on how it's, you know, and how it affects the body. And he, you know, he's got his own technique. He's got his own course out there. He's got his own uh, blood flow modification um, tools, which can be used on dry land as well as in the water. So, you know, as you mentioned, Wendy, that there's a lot of uh, blood flow restriction tools out there. And um, Katsu uh, is one of the big ones that that's out there internationally around the world. And uh, again, a lot of a lot of its application has been in the field of rehab, and it's and it's starting to bleed its way into other areas. And and you were, uh, and you shared quite a bit as far as how your your professional players have have used it to help them, you know, just maintain themselves. So, it, which is overall why we're doing this this uh, podcast mm -hmm. today on the subject because it is out there. We are seeing it more and more casually, or it's coming up on your social media feed and if you want more information i mean i for i mean you and i Wendy, we both recommend that you do get education learn more about it learn what it's doing to you physically before we start you know slapping it on this client putting on that client you know oh you want to put on muscle boom you want to put on so you want to you want to get some strain gains oh you're coming back from acl surgery there you go. Let's okay. Who else wants it? Come on, come on. Let's go. You know, let's let's just start putting it on. You mean, that's not how you run your business? Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, if if I if I owned a BFR uh, equipment company, <laughs> that might be, but right. Uh, but I guess as a, as a fitness professional, as a strength coach, as a personal trainer who who works with corrective exercise, get more information before 
you know, use it on yourself first before you start putting it on your clients. But, you know, get some information, learn what it is, because um, we can only cover so much in this time that we have together on this podcast. But we're, we're not here to teach you um, how to use it. We're just here to share kind of, well, what, you know, why, why are we seeing this more now than we did a year ago? Absolutely. And you make some some very valid points. And I think that's also important to just to, to mention that you've got to find the right cuffs for you. I personally, again, went the uh, Bluetooth route because I wanted to take the guest workout. I wanted to make sure yeah. that if my clients used it, that they had the same app. There was some, yeah. you know, there was a certain uh, guideline that they followed that I personally felt comfortable with utilizing with my clients as well as myself. But there yeah. are some, there are a ton of different, you know, bands and different companies and stuff out there. So you want to do the research to find out because if they don't include on their own and you're not running it through an app, you've got to be very comfortable with you know, figuring out the right percentage. And you can do that by pulse pressure sensors. You can use an external Doppler, you know, that looks at the radial artery. There's also the pulse oximeter. I guess I say that right. I always yeah, say that. You're, yeah. you're good. You're and, good. Um, but there's different, you know, there's different ways that you have to know how to utilize some external pieces of equipment in order to make yeah. sure that when you're under occlusion, that you're at the right percentage. So I know that, as you just said, we could talk about this forever. I was fascinated with the research that I read and seeing yeah. how much current research is out there and how everyone, it's not like they're jumping on the bandwagon. They're just seeing the benefits that really could be, um, you know, crucial in their business, especially in the rehab side, but then also yeah. some of the gains such as myself that I have with different clientele. And, um, you know, I'm really excited that we talked about this because I think, uh, I think we're going to keep hearing more and more about it as we, as we move forward. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And who knows, maybe we do another podcast on it. I don't know. We'll find, we'll find out something new and exciting about its use and application. Yes. But I, I think that's about it, Wendy. I mean, that's that's enough. Uh, I feel like I've just been drinking out of a fire hose, speaking of which, you know, it's this uh, <laughs> Alameda fire just doing their job. Um, but uh, thanks, Wendy, uh, for your time and sharing your experience. I, I always learn, uh, you know, actually more than I plan on learning on these webcasts. But, <laughs> um, but uh, hey, for you listeners and watchers out there, if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more from us, um, like, follow, subscribe, download, and uh, you know we, we hope to deliver the information that you're looking for. So please email um, our social and our and our contact information is kind of flashed up on the screen, at, you know, a couple times throughout this this uh, podcast. But uh, we really appreciate you uh, spending your time with us, and I know that with uh, with a lot of choices for this type of type of information, we appreciate you coming to us for this. So on behalf of Wendy and I and uh, random fit thank you guys so much for being with us and we look forward to seeing you soon so take care everybody and be well